Hello, and welcome to State of Crime. One state, two murders, lots of crime, except this week, once again, <laughs> we're doing it a little different. A little different. Yeah. Which I think is okay sometimes. Yes. Mix it up a little bit. Yes. So, we got a suggestion to cover the Atlanta child murders. From Amber Jones, so we're yeah. giving her a shout out. We are. Well, I've, I've heard, I've known about this case for a while. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to cover it. Okay, so. But I've known about this case much, much longer. Yes, because I remember I lived through I know, I like to play the age card as much as possible these days because I have to have some benefit um, (laughs) from being ancient. And like you, you know, I think we've both talked about this a little bit, Mm -hmm. although we've veered off course as we have with so many of the rules we Mm -hmm. laid out for ourselves at the beginning. Rules were made to be broken. Right. But especially this case Mm -hmm. has been done so thoroughly and in so many, I mean, there's an entire podcast called Atlanta Monster that runs for two seasons that only talks about this case. Right. And those really intimidate me as far as feeling like, how am I going to get all of this done? You know, it's hard enough to feel like I'm doing a decent job of researching cases and this one. Right. Oh, just way too much. So much. And there's just so much information. Yes. And I was listening to a couple of podcasts yesterday at work. And I had, of course, there's a True Crime Garage one. Yes. Which is fantastic. They always do a good job. They are so thorough. They just put me, they just, yeah, I Seriously. love Seriously. Well, there was another one, and I'm not going to name the podcast. Okay. It was terrible. Okay. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if it just wasn't researched thoroughly enough, or if it was because I went from an ep- from a podcast that had been done so thoroughly. Right. To one that had been so not yeah you know what I mean and I think that this person had their mind made up yes before they started so they left out information and I have to say you know I kind of did too I mean I at the time when Mm -hmm. I was living through I mean this was what 1981 when he was so I was 15 you know I was a kid but I do remember being very very much interested at the time watching the news coverage and this was also one of those landmark cases because of the fiber evidence. That was something that was so new and was such a big hallmark of this case. And so that made it fascinating. And now, of course, you know, it has the things that I hate, child murder, open-endedness. There's a lot here that is still very, very questionable. Right. So the KKK. Yeah. Right? Yeah. A and we all know there. how I feel about the KKK exactly. and white supremacy. Exactly. But, um, one of the biggest things that I guess I could just want to say up front, he totally did some of these murders. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There is no doubt in my mind that Wayne Williams is responsible for a lot of this. And, I'll hold back on the KKK stuff till we get a little deeper in mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and talk a little bit more about right. that. Um, but yeah, there's a lot about this case that, again, you know, there's a lot about racism in this case. Yep. I mean, even throw the KKK to the side, just the general coverage. And I think the saddest part to me 
is how many of the things that are so wrong about this case are still so tragically relevant today. Right. It and yeah, I wasn't sure originally if I was going to if this was going to be an option for me to cover when we got to Georgia, but it was suggested so yeah. here we are. And it has been in the news again a lot recently, yes. thanks to Mind Hunter, which we will also talk about a little right. bit. Which is fantastic if you yes. guys have not watched it. And of course, the reopening of the case, which many people thought was influenced by Mind Hunter, but that is not true. Right. The mayor of Atlanta had ordered this um, to be opened before that episode, long before the months before it even aired. So. There is that, but um, yeah, let's let's get going. So we we are gonna also say that this is a four part ep. This is a four part episode, I yeah. guess. <laughs> and so two of the episodes are gonna be put out this week, and then next week is gonna be the final two parts. Right. Um, and we still will not do this case justice. Absolutely not. We're doing our best, but I felt that way about the Oklahoma City bombing as well because mm -hmm. I felt like. You know, the Ruby Ridge and Waco, I was just giving these way too abbreviated overviews, but that was necessary to get moving into what we exactly. really wanted to talk about. And that's another thing about these cases. And I think this is why true crime has become so endlessly fascinating to people is it, it makes you realize what Socrates said about, you know, that the truly wise person knows that they know nothing. Mm -hmm. And the more you learn about a true crime case, the more you realize you don't know about it. Right. And I do think that's one of the reasons that it is appealing to people. Right. I spent my last week binging. I, I rewatched some episodes of Mindhunter, not to use it specifically for this, but they are for the most part, fairly factually yes. correct. Um, while there are some, uh, dramatized pieces right there is of course and then i also binge watched the people versus oj <laughs> and i have so many feelings about that case i feel like we're gonna have to at some point do a bonus episode because i know that oj has been so overdone oh that my we've gosh talked yeah. about not wanting to do it but i feel like we have to do it <laughs> even for a bonus episode because i just have you just so got sucked much. in I and did. you gotta talk about it now because i watched the people versus oj which was fantastic fantastic yeah. and then that same day i ended up watching like video clips of the actual trial and mm -hmm. stuff on youtube and everything mm -hmm. and it just i went down a rabbit hole and i feel like now we need to talk about yeah. it the biggest thing with the oj case that sticks with me to this day is how could people with so much education who are supposed to be so intelligent do so many stupid stupid things Right. It's so frustrating, but we'll have to do, we have to do a bonus episode. Okay. All right. To. I'll break down. Thank I keep you. giving in to you on everything <laughs> lately. If you tried, I would give in to you too. So <laughs> you just don't try. All I have to do is cry and you give in to me. <laughs> True. All right. So we're going to go right into this. And so we are talking about the Atlanta child murders. This was a series of murders committed between July 1979 in May of 1981. And there is so many deaths in this series of murders. So I'm going to try to stick to the timeline that I found as much as possible because right. this one seemed very credible. 
So on July 21st, 1979, Edward Hope Smith was seen for the last time. Now, he would become our first victim under the whole Atlanta child murders. So on July 28th, 1979, police find two bodies. They find the bodies of Edward Hope Smith, and they also find the body of Alfred Evans. They disappeared about four days apart. They were both 14 years old, and their bodies were found in a wooded area. Edward had a 22 caliber gunshot wound to his upper back, and Alfred Evans was strangled. strangled. Yes. And they believed manual strangulation. Correct. Yeah. And and by the way, I thought that Edward Hope Smith was 14 and Alfred Evans was 13. That's what it said on my research. I believe you are correct. Okay. So in my and, Yeah, and Edward yeah. had been missing for 7 days, Alfred for 3. So yeah, the 4 days right. apart there. Edward right. had been Edward disappeared on July 21st okay. and Alfred disappeared on July 25th. Okay. And they were both found on July 28th. I thought they were found August 7th. I have August 7th on my timeline. I have twenty the 28th. Really? On both of... I have two timelines. That's now. insane because I have a different one. That is weird. Yeah. But go ahead. I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. I'll look again. I'm going to do a little more research here and see <laughs> if we have, you know, another cor cor corroboration here. So our next victim was 14-year-old Milton Harvey. And he disappeared on September 4th while running an errand for his mother. Mm -hmm. Now, never mind. Yes. Okay. He was running an errand <laughs> for his mother. He was riding a yellow bike and he was found a week later in a remote area in his body. But his body was not. Wow. This is worded weird. Okay. And now I'm now I'm <laughs> questioning my own self. Um, so his bike was found a week later. Okay, not just he. his bike. All his right. bike was found. That's why I worded it weirdly. Okay. Sorry. Um, his body won't be found until November. <sighs> so our next date is October 21st, 1979. And this is when nine-year-old Yusuf Bell disappears. Oh my gosh. I have to tell you, that was one I just... I've been doing a ton of research on this, trying to get caught up, and I saw an interview with his mother, and it was just breaking my heart. So, Yusuf Bell went to the store to buy snuff for his neighbor. Right. Now, in all of the podcasts that I listened to, every almost every single one of them was like, why would they send a nine-year-old to buy chew? Right. And it's like... It was the 70s. Well, it's actually the 80s. But well, I mean, right? Isn't this? No. We're in 1980 by now. Yes. We are October 21st, 1979. Okay. So 1979. But again, okay. So it's 79. Totally. Yes. What you're saying right. is the thing. And that is something that I think it's so easy to look back. Because one of the podcasts I listened to also singled out Yusuf Bell for the same reason you're talking about. And the fact that he went to the store barefoot and with, with no, no shirt. shirt. 
I mean, it's Atlanta. It's the summer. They don't have air conditioning, I'm quite certain. It's humid, it's hot. And again, you're you're looking at some of this through the lens of today. Right. And you're not understanding it was a different time and people just had different ideas about what it was safe for children to do. Right. I do to an extent. I mean, he was the fourth he was the fourth child to go missing. Mm -hmm. So Another thing that was said in one of the podcasts I listened to that when they were like, oh my gosh, why would they send a nine-year-old to go buy chew, blah, blah, blah. He didn't have a shirt. He didn't have shoes on. And why would they send their kid out when all of these kids are going missing and being killed? Well, one of the things we have to think about is one, all of these happened over various jurisdictions. They were mm -hmm. over multiple counties. This was not in one county in one small area. And two, he's still only the four, fourth child to go missing. So it's not like everybody had gone crazy yet. Right. Oh, and it was October 21st. Sorry. Isn't that what I said? Yeah, 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 okay, yeah. yeah. But I was thinking, I said summer. And it gotcha. wasn't summer. But it's still. October still Yeah, I mean, it's still South. Atlanta. It's fairly warm. Right. You know, yada, yada, yada. So, sorry. So he disappeared and there was a witness that said that they had seen Yusuf getting into a blue car before he had disappeared. Mm -hmm. His body was then found on November 8th um, in the abandoned Johnson Elementary School. By Now, this is weird. So <laughs> the school janitor found him. Right. Now... First of all, it's an abandoned school, so why does the janitor... Well, he's a janitor, I'm sure, from a nearby school, is my assumption, because it says a school. He wasn't the school janitor for that particular school. See, that's the way yeah. I would have taken no, it, because... No, but he wasn't. He, he, yeah, he wasn't working at that school. Even weirder. Maybe, yeah. I, I don't know. It, it is kind of strange that he went in there to pee. I mean, that's his... Into a... Abandoned school. Well, they found Yusuf in a crawl space. Mm -hmm. So why was this janitor who was not? Well, a he was under a floorboard. Okay, so most of the places floorboard. that I had seen called it a crawl yeah. space. Well, and I can see where they would call it that. But you, the body, from my understanding, was fairly visible. It okay. wasn't hidden, and that's another thing about many of these bodies is that. And we'll talk about why. You know, again why there probably are multiple perpetrators here. There's a lot of things that point to that. But one of them is that many of these bodies, you know, they might be off the road or, mm -hmm. you know, in an, but there was no attempt made to really hide, hide them. Right. So Yusuf was, um, his cause of death was strangulation. Oh. And, and he, that one's a sad one. It is still, it's just weird. He's so little. Yeah, nine years yeah. old is so sad. It's just really weird to me that there's a a janitor that's in a school <laughs> that's not yeah. the school he works at, and he finds a dead a dead child yeah. because he needed to go find some place to pee. It's just, the whole thing's weird, and I really <laughs> hope that they looked into this janitor. I know. Because it's strange. Yeah. But the, um... His body was found clothed, but his shorts were, he had cut off shorts that he was last seen wearing. Um, and they had found a piece of masking tape stuck to his shorts. Yeah. And he had, they said he was hit over the head twice, but his cause of death was strangulation. 
And the police did not automatically link him to the rest of the missing in, uh, missing children. No, and in fact, it's going to take them a very long time to, to make these links. Right. And that's what's kind of a we another weird thing about this case, is you start off with a police department that's very loath and reluctant, and I would think, even given the time period, mm -hmm. slow to connect all these murders. And by the end of the case, we're just lumping everything together and saying, boop, done. Right. So next is March 4th, 1980. Now this is where our first female victim comes into play. Now because she's female, she's one of those that I'm not really sure. I have to say, because there's two. Yes. Well, I mean, I don't. She's our first yeah, female. We're though. not giving away too many spoilers right. here. I'm working on the assumption our listeners have at least a modicum of familiarity with this case. There are many instances of red flags that I'm like, this ain't the same thing. Right. And these two girls just scream no right. to me. So 12-year-old Angel Lanier disappeared on March 4th, 1980. She left her house about 4 p.m. wearing a denim outfit and was last seen at a friend's house watching TV. Her body was found six days later in a wooded vacant lot. She was wearing the same clothes that she had left her house in. and But there were a pair of women's white panties that did not belong to her mm -hmm. because they were women's that had been stuffed into her mouth. Her hands were bound with electrical cord and her cause of death was strangulation. Right. And that to me is... the. A, that she's a girl. Right. And all of our other victims are male. Right. Except for one other that also got thrown in here. And that has, I mean, they don't say that she was actually sexually assaulted, and I'm going to assume she was not. Correct. But there were still very sexual overtones to this particular murder. And there was, that's the other thing that's really strange to me about the child murders. Nobody was sexually assaulted. There's no sexual tie-in. And that is so often the case. Mm -hmm. I, in fact, I can't think of a child murder case, especially on this level, that didn't have a sexual component to it. Right. And that is really, really strange about this case right. to me. Like, why would you just want to pick on children to murder? Right. It's, it's, it is very strange. Mm -hmm. It's very strange. So on March 11th, which was a week after Angel's um, disappearance... 11-year-old Jeffrey Mathis disappeared while on an errand for his mother. He was wearing gray jogging pants, brown shoes, a white and green shirt. And a few months later after his disappearance, a girl said that she saw him getting into a blue car with a light-skinned man and a dark-skinned man. Um, the body, his body was found in a um, patch of the woods 11 months after he had disappeared. Um, and so since he, it took so long for them to find him, they were unable to get a cause of death. Right. So our next date is May 18th and of 1980. And that was when 14 year old Eric Middlebrooks disappeared. He was last seen answering his phone at home and then leaving in a hurry on his bike. He took a hammer with him 
<laughs> to repair the bike, I guess. There was something. I don't know. He had a hammer with it. Okay, him. and I could see I, that that you know, yeah. Okay, he's fourteen. He thinks right. he's know what he's, yes. he knows what he's doing. <laughs> and and sometimes, like if he had something that was bent, or do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah, I can see that. Right, like your handlebars mm-hmm. get twisted and bent up. Yeah. So his body was found the day after on Mar- or on May nineteenth, and his bike was, or he was next to his bike. It says in the back of a garage of an, an Atlanta bar. Mm-hmm. The bar was next door to what was then the Georgia Department of Offender Rehabilitation. Now, this also makes me think not Wayne Williams. Mm-hmm. He's one. Eric Middlebrooks is one of the ones that I don't want to attribute to Wayne at all. Right, because there's good evidence. Again, he had stab wounds. Right. Which I believe none of the other victims Mm-mm. did. His pockets had been turned out. And just a few weeks before, he had testified against three other juveniles. Three mm-hmm. other, yeah, in, in a case where they were accused of robbery, which this seems like it was more a retaliation, to me at least. Right. Um, it also... Harsh, part of me also thinks maybe wrong place, wrong time. Could have been that as because well. Because it is right next door to a offender rehabilitation mm-hmm. center. Right. Wrong place, wrong time. And we're going to come back to other offenders and things when we get... Correct. Don't let me forget. I yeah. have a couple things I want to say about that. So, next is June 9th, 1980. And this is when 12-year-old Christopher Richardson went missing on his way to the local pool. He was last seen walking towards a rec center in Midway Park. He was wearing blue shorts, a light blue shirt, and a blue and blue tennis uh, tennis shoes. His body was not found until the following January, so about six months later. Um, he was in swim trunks that the family then later said didn't well here's and this is one yeah because i know i'm looking at the same list you Mm -hmm. are one of the other sources i read though he had an older brother who was supposed to go swimming and then stayed home and took care of the younger siblings and he owned gold swim trunks and he gave them to um his brother to wear And so I'm thinking that on this particular site that you're looking at with the list of victims, that they missed that piece of information. Okay. So. So he, along with his body, was another body of Earl Terrell. And Christopher's cause of death was undetermined. Now, because I think by then they said his remains were skeletal or, you know, he'd been out exposed for so long. Right. So we haven't covered Earl yet. No. But his body was found at the same time. Well, he disappears on June 9th or he disappears on June 9th. Christopher Richardson does. And Earl, Earl Terrell's going to disappear in July. Yes. So you have a, a couple months there. Yeah, they were just found at the same place. And then they were found in the same place at the same time. Correct. In, when did you say? I'm sorry. Uh, 1980. Yeah, but what? July. The following January. So, yes. yeah. Sorry. So sorry, 1981. Guys. Yeah. Ja- January of 1981. Yeah. And that's the one found. thing that is hard. You have so many victims in this case you have 
you have a lot of strangulations. Some are manual strangulation, which means they use their hands. Some are ligature strangulation, which means you used a rope or something, Some so, an object ligature. to strangle them. And then you have a lot of these other modes of death. And when they all get lumped together like this, you also have lots of different places where bodies are found. Right. And that, you know, like I said, there's a lot here that is very atypical. And even in the cases that we can be pretty sure, yeah, Wayne Williams did these, even amongst those cases, there's a lot of things that don't fit a lot of the I don't want to say stereotypes, but I guess like, you know, that little checklist that we have for serial killers. Right. Even the stuff that we're like, yeah, Wayne Williams did this. There's still some oddities. Exactly. And one of those oddities is our next victim. Yeah. And this is on June 22nd when seven-year-old Latonya Wilson. Which again, I don't think she's one of his. Neither do I. So she disappeared from her parents' house. house. Somebody pulled her out of that house. And there were house. two men. Again. Right. Although we'll get into the two men theory too, but Correct. yeah. <laughs> but one, she is a female. Yes. Two, she was pulled from her house. Mm -hmm. So, like to me, this was not Wayne Williams. Yeah. It no. just it can't be in uh -uh. my in my opinion. It just cannot be. So she disappeared on June twenty second, nineteen eighty. Her cause of death was ended up being undetermined because by the time they found her, her body had. Uh, it was basically skeletonized. Yeah, and that was in, they don't find her till October 18th. Correct. So our next victim is. Erin Weiche. Weish. Or Weish, maybe. It's how I've okay. heard it pronounced most often is Weish. Um, and he disappeared on June 23rd, 1980. That was the day after uh, Latonya Wilson disappeared. And he was 10 years old, and he was seen last at a local grocery store getting into a blue Chevy with either one or two black men. A female witness says that she saw Aaron being led from the grocery store by a six-foot-tall, 180-pound black male, approximately 30 years old, with a mustache and a goatee. Um, the witness's description of the car matched other descriptions of vehicles because we have now heard of, I believe, two others saying that they saw a victim getting in a into blue, blue cars. And one of them was Jeffrey Mathis. And the day after Aaron disappeared, his body was found under a bridge his official cause of death was asphyxiation from a broken neck after a fall. So I'm assuming he was pushed off the bridge. Or was trying to get away and fell right. or was pushed as he, you know, or like they tried to grab him maybe. Correct. Yeah, yeah, that is my yeah. understanding. So in July of 1980, two more children, which we've now talked about, Earl Terrell and Anthony Carter were murdered. Mm -hmm. And between August and November of 1980, five more victims lost their lives. And they were all between the ages of 7 and 14, and most were killed by asphyxiation. Right. So those ones are... So we talked about Anthony Carter. He was nine years old. I know. He went... He disappeared on July 6, 1980. And he also had multiple stab wounds. It was his okay. cause of death. Which is another very strange thing. Right. 
Um, we talked about Earl Terrell, who was 10 years old. Our next victim was Clifford Jones. He was 12 years old. He disappeared on August 20th, 1980. And his cause of death was ligature strangulation. Darren Glass was 10 years old, disappeared on September 14th, 1980. His, he is the only victim of all of these victims whose bodies was never, whose body was never found. Right. Still to this day. Is still missing. Still missing. Um, so our next one is 12 year old Charles Stevens disappeared on October 9th, 1980. His cause of death was suffocation. And then November 1st, 1980. And these are so close together. And as we go on, the deaths will get closer Closer and closer and closer. And And so, and that is something that we're kind of used to seeing with a lot of serial killers is they ramp up their killing. And even if... Either they stop for, you know, either they get caught or sometimes they just take a, you know, there's a break for other reasons, but this is not all that unusual. Although this is a lot very quickly. Right. So that was Charles Stevens and he disappeared October 9th, 1980 and he, his cause of death was suffocation. So next on November 1st, 1980 is Aaron Jackson, who was nine years old. His cause of death was asphyxiation. And then one of our older children that disappears is Patrick Rogers, who was 16 years old, and he disappeared on November 10th, 1980. Now, his cause of death is blunt force trauma to the head. So we're, again, seeing things that don't quite add up. Right. Now, Luby Jeter, this is our next victim. He is 14 years old, and he disappears July or January 3rd, 1981. Now, we will have to loop back to Luby Jeter when we talk about some of the other possibilities of yes. of a who done it. Right. Because Luby Jeter is probably aside from our two female victims, he to me is probably on the top of my list of not contributed to Wayne Williams. But we will get more into that on Luby Jeter's whole demise, okay. I suppose. Now, his cause of death was asphyxiation, which probably was one of the reasons why they did connect him to Wayne Williams. But we'll come back to him. So on January 22nd, 1981, 15-year-old Terry Pugh disappeared, and he was then found, and his cause of death was strangulation. On February 6th, so a week and a half later, um, Patrick Baltazar disappears. He was 12 years old. His cause of death was strangulation. February 19th, 13 year old Curtis Walker had disappeared and he was found and his cause of death was asphyxiation. 15 year old Joseph Bell disappeared on March 2nd, 1981. His cause of death was asphyxiation. Timothy Hill was 13 years old. He disappeared on March 13th, 1981. His cause of death was also asphyxiation. And our final child victim was our oldest child victim. And he was 17 years old, William Barrett. He disappeared on May 11th, 1981. And his cause of death was strangulation. 
So of all of the children, there are only one, two, well, we won't count the undetermined. We yes. will not count those. Right. So there is only one, two, three, four. There are four of, I believe, 18, 19 children. Uh-huh. Um, there so are only far. four of them that have not died from some sort of asphyxiation, asphyxiation. or strangulation. Exactly. So that means that there's at least four of them that look a little strange. Right. And there is one that is attributed, or it's unresolved, I guess, but I have some sort of idea of how he might be attributed to Wayne Williams. Okay. But that is all of our child victims, mm -hmm. or our known child victims. There right. may be more that never that were never found. Because we did have at least one who we know has disappeared, but his body was never found. Mm -hmm. So we've gone through all of our child victims. Right. Now, what I think a lot of people don't realize about this case, because it took me a while to realize it myself, was that there are also adult victims contributed to Wayne Williams. Yes. And in fact, there are... Hold on. We have... The known child victims, we have one, two, three, six. four, five, six adult victims ranging in age from 20 to 28 years. Correct. And so of those six, all but one were died from either asphyxiation or strangulation. And the one that didn't was 28-year-old John Porter, and he died... From multiple stab wounds. Yeah, and the and we have 24 child victims. The oldest, like you said, is 17, and I believe the youngest was, was seven. seven. And like I said, the two girls that are included in that do not ring true to me. Me either. There's a couple of others there that, like you said, we'll talk about later. So, so I'm going, and I know this isn't really fair, and the way I'm going to say it isn't fair, and I apologize if it offends anybody, but we are <laughs> going to go... Not that these lives mean any less than children. No. But I am going to go fairly quickly through the adults. Okay, yeah. So, um, March 20... And this is where most of the... This is where they all get really tight in yes, time. Yes, yes. So, March 20th, 21-year-old um, Eddie Duncan disappeared, and he was found, and his cause of death was or strangulation. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Now, two days later was when 20-year-old Larry Rogers disappears, and his cause of death ultimately ends up to be strangulation. Three days after Larry Roger goes missing, 23-year-old Michael McIntosh goes missing, and his ultimate cause of death is asphyxiation. And a, we get kind of a little bit of a break because it's about a month later on April 23rd, 1981, when 21-year-old Jimmy Ray Payne goes missing, and his cause of death is asphyxiation so our oldest victim goes John. missing in april of 1981 there's not i don't have an exact date, date. we don't have on one. it it just says april 1981 he was 28 years old john porter his death was caused by multiple staff wounds which again to me is boom big red flag exactly now, our final victim disappeared on May 22nd. So we have, again, about a month mm -hmm. later. 
And that is 27-year-old Nathaniel Cater. And his cause of death was asphyxiation. Mm-hmm. Now, two of our... You said there were 24... 24 of the children, children that were listed as part of this, this case, case that are said, yes, Wayne Williams did it. So there are there's a total of 30 victims mm-hmm. not all of them are attributed to Wayne Williams but no. they do cat- they do put themselves under the category of the Atlanta child right. murders right and of course the six adults he is ultimately again this isn't a spoiler but he's ultimately convicted for two of the adult murders and that's what the court record convicts him for and then the other 20 i believe the 23 child murders they just said he did it, sealed him up. The other adult murders aren't quite as clear, but they are just assumed attributed to him as well. So there are a handful. There is one, two, three, four, five, six of our child victims who they do not have attributed to. Well, and that I believe is because when they reopened the case. That makes sense. Yes. So. We are going to stop here for today's episode. Yes. And we will jump back in on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And so... That's where we'll start talking about some of the theories. We'll look at the trial. We'll move into some of the theories about... Some of the investigation and the police work involved in it. Um, we've got a lot to cover. Yes. So I'm, I'm sure we'll be fine for three more episodes. <laughs> Bear with us. <laughs> excuse me sorry (laughs) so if you are not yet follow us on facebook join our facebook discussion group that is where we actually got this fantastic suggestion yes and we are so great yes thank you and we're so grateful to all of you who reach out post funny memes just tell us that you appreciate what we do and we just want you to know how much we appreciate you listening you're the reason we do this so thank you for liking us share us with your friends um Join our discussion group. If you have any suggestions, you can either post on our discussion group, you can message us on Facebook, you can email us at stateofcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Um, check out our Twitter and our Instagram. And if Apple you, products. If you're listening on an Apple product, please. Also, hang on. If you're listening <laughs> on an Apple product, please make sure you rate and review us. It helps us out a lot. I also learned something the other day. You can review, you can leave reviews on Stitcher. So if any of you use Stitcher, I don't know how to do it yet, but I heard you can. (laughs) So if you use Stitcher and you want to figure it out, you can leave us a review there. I don't know how to look it up or anything. So we'll figure it out. But until Thursday. Thanks for listening. Bye.